This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. here uh, today by uh, my superior, um, the guy who makes this uh, place interesting, uh, Mr. Kyle Myers. Why don't you introduce yourself, or not introduce yourself. Everyone knows you. You're, you're, the, you're the star. No, right so, on, Kyle, yeah. what's going on, man? Yeah, not much. Just uh, transitioning with everybody else from uh, kind of summertime vibes to back to school and, and mm-hmm. getting adjusted and, and family adjustments. Um, so it's going well. Uh, good to be back and, and get back into a groove and, and a rhythm that's usually good for us. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. School always brings with it like a lot of positive energy and kind of the mm-hmm. ways in which the uh, uh, the students kind of bring their excitement to be back, but also just a lot of hectic kind of chaotic energy as well. Um, sure. And you just uh, did you take your your son went back down to Nashville recently mm-hmm. too, right? So how's yep. that been? Uh, great. Yeah. So he, last time we, our podcast in July, I think he was in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was there for five weeks that went really well. And then uh, a couple of weeks back home and then back down to Nashville. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that he enjoys his semester. And if you're somebody who's starting your semester, we hope that it's off to a good start Yeah, already. Um, this semester, we're going to jump right back into the podcast. You uh, heard our last one was on Barbenheimer. We had to kind of break the silence on that because it was kind of a worldwide phenomenon mm-hmm. um, any I, feedback on that one um, I think that uh, obviously I think there was some there's some pushback on some of the Barbie stuff mm-hmm. um, but I For think sure. ultimately you know I think that they understood what we were getting at mm-hmm. and it, I, I think the point to reiterate is like the <laughs> like we agree with the 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 criticism that of course um, that the what the message that it's trying to get obviously is uh, patriarchy can be bad for both sides of people. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, I I just would like to see I I would love to see more a connection to the healing that Barbie feels at the end, maybe and, and also with Ken like more explicitly more than just the catchphrase because he kind of gets a catchphrase and she yeah, right. she gets the existential journey. But I, I'm not sure I liked her existential journey either. But I think the message that patriarchy is bad obviously is something that we would both affirm mm-hmm. <laughs> in that in that regard but it's a i think people really liked what we were saying too about uh i think oppenheimer was the one that people enjoyed more yeah that. sure but not a ton of negative feedback most people were like yeah that was no, right on yeah no so. to be sure there's a huge conversation around it which is fun yeah and i think ongoing mm-hmm. um yeah. it's it's i think stayed mostly at the top of the I mean, not that box office is the best judge of like this, the goodness of a movie, but it stayed right at the top. Um, people are going back for their second, third, fourth, fifth times mm-hmm. to see it. And it's really resonating with a lot of people. And I know like having a lot of people in my life who um, uh, really resonate specifically with that, um, that speech in the middle about like how tough it is to be a woman in the public eye. Um, really resonated with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I thought is I think it's interesting that this the vehicle again for all of this is Barbie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know part of this um, the intrigue of it. But I think it will continue to be this, especially as we go into award season. I'm yeah, sure. To see this coming back up. Um, Absolutely. Various things like that. Have, did you receive any on like I don't know if you posted this on Letterboxd no. or not. Yeah, no. Okay. I generally, um, 
I did not post it, but yeah, I don't usually get the feedback, which is why I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. It's more just like casual stuff. You know, everyone I think gets the, because I mean, the point of this podcast is to say like, okay, what, what can, what in movies are healing and what aren't? And I think there are things that are definitely healing in Barbie, but um, there are things that are not as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's part of what we're trying to do here in this deep investigative work of the road show. But Um, anyway. Uh, there's a lot of things on the, I mean, I think I've asked you this before, but I, I think I asked you this last podcast, but do you have any thoughts on the upcoming um, Killers of the Flower Moon Scorsese film? Like, are, are, are you anticipating that? Or you think, are you not? Like, I mean, do you have any thoughts or feelings about that coming up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm uh, more just kind of over Leonardo DiCaprio as a, as an actor. <laughs> Um, is the primary thing. Um, So I'm not looking forward to uh, seeing Leo be Leo as much. Mm. Um, But uh, in in some ways, I think I'm resisting, uh, you know, I did see the trailer, I think, once. Mm -hmm. Um, But resisting uh, uh, engaging with it much until it comes around. I think I would would rather go in uh, mostly blind and anticipating a Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. Um, and although my uh, son in Nashville and I talked last night about The Wolf of Wall Street mm. um, and many of his his kind of uh, disturbed experience with that movie um, and a number of, you know, issues with that that we, we kind of went around with. So I anticipate, you know, a similar kind of experience with this one's going to be difficult material. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know, obviously, we've we've done the Scorsese podcast here and we'll continue to cover his stuff going into the mm-hmm. going into that. I imagine that when that movie comes out, we'll do a podcast on it. But um, I wasn't sure because Scorsese and kind of some of these like old school directors that still have this box office, big box office kind of presence, but nonetheless, um, I don't fit the newer kind of like obviously like the sheen of the Marvel or comic book film but also not the kind of a24 model either sure um, and so i was wondering like is do you think this is something to where like your like is, is it weighing your love for scorsese just over time or is it just i mean it could just be the leo thing or yeah um i mean more yeah into the leo side of it but yeah not with marty i mean that was part of our discussion last night is that you know marty has a history uh there's kind of two sides uh, and when Marty makes Goodfellas or he makes Raging Bull, these are very difficult movies. Uh, the Departed's right. is very difficult movie. Um, and so, you know, he's prone to, uh, make us, you know, tell the story like this again in classic non-judgmental, uh, Scorsese fashion, mm-hmm. um, very honest, which usually means very brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and often these stories, you know, don't, uh, they don't leave you feeling good. Um, and, but, you know, that combined with the rest of his, you know, um, filmography, uh, creates a different, you know, in in its own way, kind of biblical, you know, uh, um, not contest, but just, you know, contact like the, these themes, um, and the hard as well as the hopeful, you know, he's, he's, I trust him more with that ultimately, but still difficult, you Mm. know, to engage with. Yeah. It seems like a real difficult topic for sure and in some sense i thought that um asteroid city uh, might be a shoe-in for picture of the year in my i mean i'm not a shoe-in in probably the obvious sense i'm sure that um barbie or oppenheimer well certainly i mean going back to how that whole thing works 
Um, it's obviously a great movie, but the whole thing in Hollywood is about, you know, positioning yourself um, and throwing parties and talking to the right people and, and having the right, you know, essentially budgeted money to put towards mm-hmm. all those things, yeah. which Wes Anderson never has that money to, to do that mm-hmm. um, and is almost always left behind no matter what, how good a movie he makes. Yeah. Um, he's not, you know, playing that game or nor can afford to do that. And if you hear from the actors, like most of them make, you know, minimal, like minimum wage to even be in those movies, which is partly why you can have like 40, you know, top names that's right. in his movie, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, kind of the thing he sacrifices is not, um, you know, not being a part of that season. And But that's fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for me, I think still the, the movie that's yet to be unseated for my movie of the year is A Good Person. Yeah, right um, on. And but we'll see. Anyway, that's enough on that stuff. I was just curious because I was thinking I had I actually had it written down here in my notes the Scorsese film. I was like, oh, I, I don't know if I asked him about that last time. Well, today uh, we are covering um, the Body Snatchers. We've been talking about this for I mean I think probably right close to six months. Um, talking about covering this in the podcast, which there's obviously a lot of films that do. Uh, body snatcher kind of themes obviously there's like the invasion of the body snatchers which is the classic film um there's been a nicole kidman movie um more recently that had the same themes and even uh, many novels and screenplays cover the same theme and so we really wanted to kind of double down and really think through this but before we get started i know that like you wanted to talk kyle really briefly about like horror and early sci-fi kind of in film and just like you know riff on that for a bit yeah, man. Well, the, yeah, the 1950s are obviously this really important time uh, regarding sci-fi in general. Right. Uh, as Russia and the U.S. both started sending stuff out into space and, mm. and mm-hmm. the space race, you know, kind of began. And so uh, it's easy to, uh, you know, imagine stories um, regarding alien life and our mm. relationship with aliens and, mm-hmm. and being over... Uh, colonized by aliens and and uh, all those kinds of fears with the subtext of you know Cold War and other things going on. So really fascinating. Right. Um, even with the film like Body Snatchers, the first one is pretty simple, but mm-hmm. uh, has significant layers um, going on there. It makes it worth going back to. Right. Um, but you know, previous to that, going all the way back to so with uh, uh, science fiction slash horror mm-hmm. combo. Uh, you can start with something at least, you know, in the biggest way would be Frankenstein. Right. Um, and they really deal with overlap with technology. The mad scientist who, uh, you know, has this kind of God-like complex or God complex um, and creating life and uh, reanimating life and uh, those kind of things that, that, you know, go awry. We don't know what's going to happen. Usually mm-hmm. it doesn't go well. Um, and so you have the mad scientist, you know, monster movie kind of thing, or the invisible man, Mm. uh, technology, um, side of it. So your original kind of universal monsters, um, and other monsters like Godzilla, which is, you know, representing again, the, the nuclear experience, uh, the bomb experience in, in Japan. Um, and so using it in, in that way, sci-fi horror, um, and to represent, you know, a whole other kind of experience. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, with the alien side of it, you know, again, that we are not alone. Um, and what are we going to, you know, do with this? Uh, for the most part, in the 50s, um, they were more more or less like monster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, our engagement with uh, the H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. 
but with body snatchers, you know, it was this whole other level of disturbing where it's not going to come as this big, fantastic monster uh, alien as we've, you know, uh, imagined them or can, can, you know, have our conspiracies. It's also an interesting time to talk about this, obviously, after Congress had their whole thing this past summer. Right, yeah. Um, which uh, continues to be super interesting, something that uh, my 15-year-old son and I are, are uh, certainly nerding out about currently. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, but, yes, with Body Snatchers, the, the theme being that it's almost more like a virus that, you know, invades um, yourself. Um, and suddenly, you know, upon falling asleep and waking up, you, you become, you're yourself, but you're an alien. Um, and, uh, that whole kind of, you know, um, uncontrollable, um, kind of feature with that is also mm -hmm. obviously disturbing. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, but that's kind of the larger context of looking at mm -hmm. horror movies, monster movies, and then bringing in the science fiction element. Um, yeah. It's really fascinating history in yeah. movies and, and books as well. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, the thing I love about the older Universal monster movies, I mean, leave aside, for example, well, leave aside for a second, um, Dracula and... Sure. Um, Frankenstein, because those were novels before that. And obviously, Mary Shelley's book, Frankenstein, needs to be read a lot. Um, yeah. Written especially in, in, in the early 1800s, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's such a powerful indictment on human nature in mm -hmm. a certain sense. Because it's, I mean, I remember this politician recently um, who shall remain nameless um, <laughs> who tweeted out, he says, you know, today everything wrong with our culture is that in schools now they're teaching that, like, the monster, like Frankenstein's monster, is the good guy, and you know, some like a library, you know, librarian says it, but that's what the book is about, yeah, <laughs> like, right. you know, that kind of thing. And so, but I remember watching, for example, like the original um, Invisible Man, and being really impressed because I was really, I just watched Hollow Man, which is the Kevin Bacon remake, mm -hmm. uh, very violent um, that one is, but like the uh, the original Invisible Man was this kind of this almost this. Um, as the emerging science and technology boom is just around the corner uh, in this film, it's very much a, a, a kind of critique of scientific inquiry and the inability of humanity to accept that it has limits on its capabilities. Um, like, so the religious figures are the ones who are kind of seen in a positive light, and the scientific figures are the ones who are held in deep suspicion, which I thought was an interesting kind of narrative because obviously most movies now would probably do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like the, the religious figures are the ones who are deeply suspicious right. and the scientists are the ones who are the heroes. That's right. And I found that to be quite an interesting flip because, you know, I, I didn't think of them as doing being overly preachy in that original Invisible Man film, but really just questioning, you know, the not can we do something, but should we do something. Mm -hmm. And that I deeply appreciate. Yep. That kind of, and that we were talking about this a little bit with Oppenheimer, like, that's the question that Oppenheimer can never really ask. Like, should I do this? In fact, in the film, like in Oppenheimer, he just he f hears about the splitting of an atom, and he's like, immediately I have to do this. Yeah, right. Kind of thing. And like, there's no debate about whether or not this right. is important. And so really good science fiction, which oftentimes does precede science, scientific fact, should kind of hold these tensions, these moral questions, I think, in tensions. Like, the really good science fiction um, – like films, books, um, like comic books, any kind of property, should ask these ethical questions, I think, in a really important lens. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, so anyway, like th that's what I appreciate about specifically even early sci-fi. Aliens, I think, are a really weird existential terror for me. I don't know why. 
like I'm more afraid of them than I am of demons, which I feel like is not correct. Um, <laughs> but um, like I had the, I mean, I watched uh, uh, like at a young age, I watched um, uh, Signs by M Night mm-hmm. Shyamalan. Yeah. For some reason, that at the age that I watched it, and that messed me up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but Aliens have always, been, I mean, and then you've got the James Cameron, you know, Alien uh, saga. That first one I think holds up is still a really good, interesting kind of haunted house vibe mm-hmm. Alien movie, but. Anyway, um, well, it's interesting, and yeah, another thing to look at in the apocalyptic narratives, in particular, is whether or not the alien is benevolent uh, or the enemy, and that mm-hmm. also has a degree to do with uh, if they're benevolent. Usually, the military is the bad guy because they want to mm. kill them anyways, and we, you know, we, you know, they're not bad, or we need to study them, and the science and technology kind of takes precedence. Precedence. Um, Versus if the aliens are obviously coming to attack us and colonize, take our resources, whatever, the military government typically is the good guy. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in those features. Um, and so it's an interesting way to use that storytelling with how you want to, you know, promote uh, one thing or another. But often, uh, of course, even going back to the original thing called A Thing from Another World, mm-hmm. um, the scientists want to keep the thing, which is just a creature in that one, um, to again, study it and not kill it where all the, and, and he's there with military people who are like, we can't let this thing, you know, uh, come back with us to the States or anything like that. We have to, you know, kill it here. And there's that constant like debate, uh, between government, military, science, technology. It's also a part of that, Mm -hmm. you know, those Mm -hmm. themes. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, depending on what, I think the time period tells us a lot. So, like, there's a big jump between the, like, the, for example, the 93 invasion of the body snatchers to, like, invasion, which happens in, tw- like, two, like, 2007, I think. Um, yep. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Like, what is, you know, the, this is something, obviously, you've spent a lot of time thinking about. And I know there's, obviously, the existential terror of just no longer being yourself. But what do you think is like the real terror behind the invasion of the body snatchers? Like, what's the real thing that these characters are struggling with as they're coming to grips with this whole "I'm not going to be myself anymore" kind mm-hmm. of situation? Well, the fear, yeah, the fear of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, one, it's just you know the experience in the, especially in the first two movies, um, where and and you know uh, up through the invasion. Um, but the initial experience of like, you know, this is Uncle Jimmy, but it's not Uncle Jimmy, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and this is my mom, but it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not my mommy, uh, it's a direct quote from the 93 body snatchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first just experiencing, you know, somebody who's suddenly hollowed out, um, and lost their humanity, um, is typically the, the, you know, the introduction um, and then the investigation of what's happening. And then once we find out, you get into uh, in the first one, and it's very prominent in the 78 Body Snatchers, um, where Spock from Star Trek uh, plays this psychoanalyst uh, uh, who's bringing a lot of that kind of right, late yeah. 70s self-help kind of uh, jargon, um, <laughs> selling books and, and whatnot. Uh, he's a super interesting character. Um, but basically the essence of, you know, once you're, you're with this group always who's resisting, um, and, and, and figuring out like, what's the conspiracy, what's going on here. Um, but typically, so they're not, they're staying awake and quote unquote, 
um, <clears throat> and not, you know, not giving into it. But then there's an argument from the people who've been snatched. Right. Yeah. As you know, there's no need. Uh, actually, humanity, emotion, love, and hate, these things get in the way of a more proper universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting rid of those. Like, this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their version of, you know, like, new creation uh, is that everybody, people don't really operate emotionally anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and this idea that not being trapped by old concepts is another one from, from 78. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that your uh, the fear then, um, isn't just being snatched, um, but it's also this more ethical question of what it means to be human, mm. why that matters and coming around to the end of the invasion. Uh, it's also this acceptance of, yeah, like we're going back to the way things were, which is pretty brutal, mm-hmm. uh, and difficult. Um, and, uh, but ultimately, um, better in in terms of you know like our who we are mm-hmm. right and and not losing that and continuing to work that out mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know give it up yeah and i the thing i love about these films especially like you talked about this this whole virus taking over obviously like more recently there's been film there's been like properties like the last of us for example that have this whole virus but it's very much like um it's more apocalyptic in the sense of like it's our own um, like gl- it's global warming, it's all these other things that are kind of taking over and then destroying humanity, almost like um, M.I. Shyamalan's last movie, The Happening, mm-hmm. or one of his last movies, mm-hmm. The Happening, instead of this exterior threat, which is, uh, the way you describe it, the, the thing that kept coming to my mind, in, and you re- you referenced Star Trek first, so I'll go ahead and reference yeah, it again. Go ahead. The Borg, it feels like the Borg a mm-hmm. little bit, like where this kind of like peaceful like assimilation into, um, into this kind of like... Uh, very kind of dormant, not dormant, that's probably the wrong word, but very like, um, I don't know, like very calm kind of society where things just kind of work in a specific way. And it's fascinating because like I'm also reading through Tommyknockers, which is Stephen King's kind of body snatchers book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to hear that argument. Like you said, this is just like, a, a, we're not me anymore. Like when do I cease to be me and start, because they always call it the becoming, like they're becoming more like these aliens that have crashed and in this town and they're changed they become more in like in in like um i guess like uh, they become more creative in the sense that they create like more machines and it seems to be like a really peaceful harmonious society except when others try to come in that's when they try and like destroy the difference yeah um i mean these movies though like you said are more about like what does it mean to be a human at all yeah what does it mean to feel Um, Critics were frustrated with the original in the 50s where they wanted it to be either anti-communist or (laughs) anti-McCarthy. But it really promoted just like it's just against groupthink, you know, Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not healthy as an individual and, you know, that being more of like leaving it up to your own interpretation. um, Not interpreting it for you, which is interesting too. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I I think I'm more drawn to the 2007 one just because I I really like Daniel Craig for – Irrational reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, following, like, Nicole Kidman around and kind of the, her journeys to try and keep, like, stay awake. I, I mean, to this day, I, even before I went and visited this film, the thing that kind of, like, stuck with me was the scene where she's sitting there with, like, a two liter of Coke, like, in a gas station somewhere on the ground trying mm-hmm. to keep her and mm-hmm. her son awake because mm-hmm. they know the second they fall asleep, they'll right. be taken over. And I think there's this real... I mean, in some sense, that kind of that same franticness, I, I also associate with like 
our culture's desire to be individual. So like, obviously like I'm all for that critique of the group think, but we were kind of talking about with the Barbie thing, like the, I am enough kind of the stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think that there's, am, am I just kind of like overplaying this minor theme in a certain sense? Maybe it's because it's the 2007 one and we're emerging into the more like individualism thing. Like where's the healthy medium, not, not group think. But not like hyper individualism either, mm-hmm. which is not saying that that's exactly what she's doing. But in some sense, like that, that thought came in my mind as I was watching that. Absolutely. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Or, like, responses <laughs> well, to that's that? a lot. Yeah. A yeah. Lot to explore. <laughs> Sorry just to spring that on you. No, it's okay. Uh, which obviously is not. Um, and, and yeah, prom- being promoted in these movies because the fear. Uh, one of the horrors, right? One of the fears right. is groupthink um, and is, you know, this cult. And you do see that in our politics today of being like, uh, being in the middle and uh, and being moderate and asking questions and not just joining uh, the narrative on the right or the left. Right. It's damaging, you know, mm-hmm. and and challenging those doesn't, you know, never goes well on the internet in particular. <laughs> um, right. And But it's also hard, you know, just like it to be a, you know, somebody who's a critical thinker and not just uh, joining because it's easier to join. And, and there's great arguments on both mm-hmm. sides as to why, you know, you should uh, spend your time uh, in thinking this way and, and promoting these things. Um, so I think it's still relevant in, ter- in terms of that, obviously. Um, but then, yeah, definitely it's a whole other, you know, again, like we're saying, a whole other movie, a whole other uh, uh, critique regarding uh, what it means to be in a world where you're constantly cultivating an identity or trying to find an identity and trying right. to be an identity. Um, and and being enough is this whole psychological experience that, you know, we're having and articulating uh, now because um, – as much as we want to be individuals, it's very stressful right, yeah. uh, to claim an individuality identity, be that, uh, stand against, you know, the other things and, and uh, this need to kind of wear it, you know, wear it on your clothes and, mm-hmm. and uh, X, Y, and Z. Um, and being certainly being promoted uh, as this like way of being, you know, the Miley Cyrus song, like I can hold my own hand and buy myself flowers and whatever from this past year. Oh yeah. Um, but again, I think the distortion certainly comes when, you know, it turns into an anxiety about relationships, Mm. uh, turns into an anxiety about like, I don't, you know, this, I don't need that. Um, which also feels very anti-human mm. um, and resist, you know, procreation and in uh, ways we can, you know, scientifically manage our life and economically manage our life mm-hmm. uh, as individuals. And we don't need the, you know, hangups and the conflict mm-hmm. and the, you know, the difficult, the messiness mm-hmm. um, of those things. And so I think, again, going back to, you know, uh, the biggest issue with Barbie is just not transcending any of those things and ultimately just promoting like this is the best that we have. Um, yeah. And and again going and going back to uh, Ken's like you know falling in love with the patriarchy is part because he's not meeting those need, that need for connection, um, which in the movie is promoted as unhealthy uh, love expectation for Barbie. Um, but part of that is I I'm going to feel this emptiness in some way. Um, and so it's a bigger conversation about God and spirituality and the role of people, 
Um, yeah. And the purpose of people in a Wendell Berry kind of way that all, oh, you know, you can unpack. Sorry. I, <laughs> I, I just finished um, Jaber Crow. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that some last time. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. And it's just the, uh, like, in a, a certain sense, like, one of the things you get by reading that book is, like, all the people that are necessary to make Jaber who he is, mm-hmm. you know. Like, he's not an independent figure, even though he's very much, like, not – like tied, like, and by the, I mean, I use that word loosely because he's very much formed by the places that he's lived and the, the geography and the landscape. It would be very un-Wendell Berry to say that he was not formed by the, the just, just even the river that he yep. walked down. Yep. But he's he's very mobile in the sense of like transient, I would say. Um, but like there's all these figures that throughout all these towns that shape him into be who he is from the college and all that kind Absolutely. of stuff. And that's that. I think that's one of the powerful elements that. Um, I mean, you're naming kind of a. An, I mean, not to keep jumping between different. That's all things, right, man. Yeah. The, in, I remember Into the Wild, which is obviously a novel, but it's a movie too. It's the story of this guy who wants to be this pure individual, like completely disconnected from society, self-sufficient on his own, uh, and he kind of like his ultimate dream is to live out in the wilderness on his own and read his books and just kind of live off the grid, for lack of a better term. Which is a real kind of like Nietzschean, like uh, uh, Ubermensch kind of like I don't need society. Like I can use society, but be completely independent and construct my own moral narrative. Which is, I feel like the the complete desire of modern of the modern self is to invent for yourself a, an ethical system that is yours alone and no one else's. Which is a fiction, but anyway, I could talk about that all day. But he gets out into the wilderness and he accidentally, you know, poisons himself and he's reading one of his books and he writes a note in the column. And when they find his body later, the note just basically says, you know, uh, like happiness is not happiness unless it's shared. And I thought that was actually yeah, really happiness, not real. And unless it's shared. shared. Yeah, yeah I, I probably butchered that. But that's all right. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it's something on that sense. And I think the redeeming quality of like what shared. I see in the 2007 invasion movies, like in that scene where she's drinking that coke and trying to keep her son awake like the thing she's trying to maintain is not just her individuality but it's also that her son is her son and like they get to be together and that kind of thing and, that and he's so the, the unique thing about him in the as far as body snatchers goes is he had something when he was a child baby mm-hmm. uh, infant uh that has made him immune to mm-hmm. the body snatcher, whatever it is, right, uh, yeah. virus or whatever. So this is the first uh, of all four movies they've introduced, you know, an immunity, mm-hmm. and then they're trying to make a an actual vaccine. Uh, he, she's trying to get him to this facility so that they can use whatever you know uh, immune quality he has to actually mm-hmm. turn it into a vaccine. So it adds a different element for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's funny as I was watching this, I was like, if if people were to watch this today, they would be like, this is a political commentary on COVID mm-hmm. um, and things like that. I, I was I was like, I'm really glad it came out when it did. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it got to maintain kind of a sense of like. Well, there's yeah, that. the one of the sna- you know, scientists who's been snatched uh, creates a vaccine. Um, this is a uh, not the good vaccine, but a vaccine that's supposed to be helpful that actually is infect just infecting everybody else. So right. you're, you're correct. That would be. That's right. <laughs> this is this is what they were yep. trying to do when they invented COVID. That, yep. So, um, uh, but I mean, I think that power of individuality there, and I mean, I there's I I I've, I was a huge fan of Nicole Kidman in the early two thousands, just in kind of a lot of her roles, especially going back and watching them now, and, and especially with this one, I had forgotten that I had watched this film, but for some something about this movie stuck with me, and I was trying to parse that out, 
for myself. And obviously, this is something you want to talk about too. Like, is there is there a reason why this kind of story it keeps getting retold? Um, like in your mind, like what's the, what's the enduring significance of a body snatcher narrative? Yeah, that's a great question, and I'm not sure I have a good answer. <laughs> that's um, okay, but but certainly yeah, worth exploring regarding. Uh, I mean, just the different things you can do with it because I think uh, again the original. Uh, didn't really land one way or another politically. I think mm-hmm. in 78, uh, Philip Kaufman directing um, does lean a little bit more conservative. But then in 93, you've got the military versus the Environmental Protection Agency. And again, the military uh, really becomes the the bad guy in that one. Um, and and uh, you have this yeah, whole you know environmental perspective mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. going on as well, which is really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, uh, so it's interesting that it can, and like you said, if you did make the invasion today, it would, you know, uh, there would be, uh, COVID commentary, you know, happening. So it's just interesting the way it can kind of bend and shape itself, um, right. in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think in 2007, you know, you're operating, you know, coming up into a financial crisis, but also dealing with, you know, gl- lots of global stuff and post 9-11 and, mm-hmm. um, all that, uh, kind of, you know, subtext, it's just kind of sitting there, mm-hmm. um, a part of that whole thing. And so, yeah, it just continues to feed and, and be an easy way to, certainly engage that question of what does it mean uh, to be an individual in a global society, Mm -hmm. in a global Mm -hmm. context. Um, Starting with the small town in 1956 to San Francisco in 78, the military base in 93, and then wherever they are in the invasion. Mm -hmm. Um, They end up in D.C., I think. Uh, Maybe that's where it all takes place. And so, yeah, yeah, you just have uh, this continued kind of uh, political engagement and and again, yeah, I think it's social media and things have become prominent um, that people do feel, you know, that other people are being snatched mm-hmm. um, by mm-hmm. this ideology or by, you know, this thing or that. And then and people are out to disprove that or um, and uh, so it does continue to have something to explore, I think, in those mm-hmm. uh, ways and what we submit ourselves to. Because mm-hmm. uh, submission is not, you know, in a world uh, that is highly individualized and values that the word submission is scary, but ultimately we, we end up uh, submitting to something, right? Yeah. Um, and submitting to some kind of ideology or group because we do right. at the end of the day. Uh, and this is one of the scary things that is happening. Culturally speaking, we're becoming more segregated ideologically with mm-hmm. meaning like, yeah, I'm going to move to Portland, Oregon, uh, or I'm going to move down to Florida. Right, um, yes. <laughs> and I'm going to move to the place where people think like I do, mm. which is a brand mm. new thing, right, um, regarding the mobili- our mobility. And, and and I'm only going to follow these people, you know, mm. like my fee. I'm going to constantly be fed the same information from the same people mm. um, mm. and allowing them to tell me, you know, what to think about this, you know, political issue or this politician or whatever. Um, and so there is, you know, work to be done regarding what it means to be an individual within whatever your framework is, uh, that you value the most. Mm. Right. Yeah. And also learn those. I mean, I imagine mental health wise, learn those skills to be able to work with people who are different um, yeah, no and, doubt. And, and not destroy each other to where the body snatchers becomes kind of an inevitable outcome of our current political situation. 
uh, you know, hearing you talk a little bit, I mean, it brings back to the, the Tommyknockers. Um, the thing that Stephen King is really kind of like directing his attention at is like nuclear power and nuclear bombs and things like that. The, the novel is published actually two days after I was born. I, I didn't realize that until recently, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of so. It was, it was published in November 10th, 1987. Um, that's kind of near the tail end of the Cold War. And you know where now nuclear facilities are being built to for power for the purpose of power. And so, like Chernobyl, for example, had, had just um, ha- was fresh on the American kind of consciousness. Um, and Three Mile Island, obviously, was happening. Obviously, we've had more nuclear kind of disasters at p- plants that, uh, against that. I think the the point that he's trying to make is exactly this, like what you're talking about, this ideological, like the individuals, like throughout Tommyknockers. All of them have different reasons for submitting to the groupthink, but they all ultimately do. Um, some of them for peace, some of them just for security, some out of love, you know, uh, which I find interesting. And mm-hmm. and it's kind of veiled in the sense of like of, of like this emerging new technology of nuclear power, which is actually quite dangerous, um, even though it's very effective in sure know, keeping the lights on, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But I, that really stuck out to me that like what you're talking about in terms of like there's all these different reasons why we do it, and now we also have the additional mobility to create like very sectioned off parts of our, especially this country, the United States, just to kind of like live that life, you know, wherever we want. So we don't like just like with social media, we can weed out those who don't think like us. Yeah, we can now live in neighborhoods just like that as mm-hmm. well, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and it's super fascinating. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. um, uh, worthy of, you know, uh, certainly reflecting on and thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the importance of, you know, the places that, uh, I mean, I'm uh, lucky to be able to interact in very different, you know, uh, spaces, obviously here in Mount Vernon, yoga studio where I work back home and even our, you know, our neighborhood. Uh, which is in the midst of, you know, kind of economic change that'll go on for another, you know, decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but being in places that, yeah, are different economically than yourself and different than, than ideo- ideologically, because uh, there really is a real need to, you know, my experience with people online is viscerally different than my relationship with people in real life. Right. And how we interact um, and how we, you know, respect each other and, and trust each other. Uh, despite you know numerous differences, so I think that is super important. Yeah, and that, I think that's one of the more. I mean, talk about body snatchers in a, in a real sense. Like, there's this cognitive dissonance in a certain sense when we, and like we get encounter someone online who just you know is completely just unhinged, and then sometimes the same person will come up to us and just like, act like that never even happened. It's mm-hmm. one of the, it's like the lack of kind of like the ability, and that's I think one of the bifurcations of our humanness are that are kind of like electronic selves versus the real social selves that are embodied with other people. I think that's one of the more profound things that I've noticed, especially amongst like um, younger and older, like the mm-hmm. extremes, like the people who spend a lot of time online. Yeah, absolutely. So yep. anyway. Yeah, yeah, man, right on. Well, um, I, you know, I, I love this. I mean, I, I will admit Invasion was the one that obviously I, I, I dug into the most here. Um, but are there any other kind of thoughts you wanted to share about this, these body snatcher films um, for our audience here? Well, just, you know, you can jump around. I mean, obviously our, you know, our first podcast on Annihilation you right. know, um, applies. And 
Um, and it's more cosmic. And I think there are co- cosmic intros to both the 78 and 93 body snatchers in general, but there's a very Lovecraftian element in the 93 uh, when the child in that one is that in the classroom and they're all drawing pictures. All the kids draw the same pictures, but his is very different. Oh, um, yeah. and but theirs are all like very Lovecraftian looking, you know, kind of creatures. And in uh, John Carpenter's The Thing and Annihilation, and then a direct adaptation, Color Out of Space, direct Lovecraft adaptation. Uh, same kind of body snatching, you know, quality, uh, just more monstrous and mm. and um, and more interesting things to uh, think about in terms of the cosmic uh, thing going on and the often, um, you know, non-benevolent, the more you know, kind of sinister thing happening there, and in, in all mm-hmm. of those uh, that that kind of ramp up the horror, you know, um, side of it, but also fascinating. Uh, color out of space is you know a family the thing is this kind of again like military um station in alaska um and annihilation obviously you know these different female scientists you know going uh venturing into the um the bubble um but anyways yeah and just you know what that ends up meaning for you know each of those places with what happens also Mm -hmm. fascinating yeah yep and I, I mean, that's one of the powers of like science fiction, like really good science fiction names, like uh, a, like a critical conversation. I mean, that's why Star Trek had such staying powers. It really wasn't about just a group of fun space explorers blowing things up. It was really just about discovering and finding and mm-hmm. learning more about our humanity really in the process. Like that was what was so unique about the Borg story. Yeah, sure. That everyone loved is because it, it kind of created this real sharp distinction between what is and is not human. And uh, you see that here as well, uh, and especially I—I I mean, you mentioned the cosmic thing. I, that I love the that kind of science fiction that kind of opens it up to this bigger, mm-hmm. more than just this all internal. I mean, I think that's one of the big differences between, like the something like The Last of Us and something like this. Yeah, sure. Um, which is very much like this is a cosmic reality, not just like a terrestrial right. one. Right. Right. Anyway. Yeah. No, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Anyway, I I could talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah. I just I really love science fiction um, of all forms. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll watch trash science fiction too. But um, the stuff that really like I like a lot, like even like the Orville, which was kind of the Family Guy creators knockoff of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like there's this beautiful episode where they kind of do this really deep critique of social media, which I found really compelling. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, right old man. That sounds good. I think that's all I got. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think one of the things, and I mean, I kind of want to at some point come back to this just a conversation. Yeah. We don't need to do another podcast dedicated to it. But the continuing relevance of having these pieces of, we'll just call it what it is, art, that helps us to think through, like, our current situation, I think is uh, definitely more important as we continue to um, kind of, I, I don't know, it seems like culturally head towards a cliff, um, especially to name like this film does, uh, I, I love how you point out the the 1950s one failed because it didn't pick a side, mm-hmm. which is exactly sure. the whole the whole premise of the movie. Yeah, um, and so I'm interested to see kind of what those films will be like. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's that's I guess that's about all we got for today. We're looking forward to uh, um, continuing these conversations. We got a lot of things on the plan. Uh, I mean, on the future uh, that's going to come out. I mean, we got a lot of films that are about to come out. Uh, this fall that we'll probably cover um and just you know in general some things that you probably are interested in as well but if you want to help the podcast best way to do so is leave us a, a review 
uh, best ways to help other people find us. And uh, just stay tuned to our social medias. And uh, we'll be uh, back here with another road show in a couple weeks. So thanks, everyone. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.